I, so I, I'm not gonna lie. I, although I, I love your music. I'm very excited about this like, uh, like evangelical phase of Bodega's catalog. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Really. Using the holy and holy cannoli. You know, it's like, it's like underlined. <laughs> the clues were all there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> CT versus audio interview. This episode, I'm talking with Bo Dega from Norwalk. The song you heard in the intro is um, "Nidat Gaindi." Nidat Gaindi. Ah, it's. I'm actually not sure how it's pronounced, but in this episode, we will jokingly refer to it as the IKEA song. Uh, you can find that song as the first track on Bo's album Day Olds, which came out earlier this year in February 2021. That record is a companion piece to 2020's Holy Cannoli, which was one of our favorite records from 2020, uh, and many of the songs on that album are some of our favorite songs from that year as well. Uh, you may also know Bo from playing lead guitar and power violets. Uh, in this episode, I ask him about releasing 50 songs in 18 months, playing lead guitar in Power Violets, the ethics of DIY music, and more Connecticut trivia than you can possibly handle in a pop quiz that I spring on him at the end. This interview was recorded in late August 2021, so when we talk about a recent show at Crunch House, that just gives you a little bit of context about when that took place. So, here it is, my conversation with Bodega. All right, so joining us today, we have Connecticut slash New York musician Bodega with us. How's it going, Bo? It's going well. So uh, I we are recording this less than a week after um, your Crunch House show in Connecticut. Um, and I think it's, yeah. has it been a while since you've played Connecticut since before that? Um, well, we played uh, in Power Violets. We played a show in Darien, but it was like a very private type of thing gotcha um i think that's it yeah i personally i haven't played any like bodega shows in connecticut since well i moved in 2018 Mm -hmm. i think i i think that was the last time i played a show was like may of 2018 over there gotcha um in the intro of this episode, I will have mentioned that you're playing with uh, Power Violets. That's where I, I saw you last uh, at Crunch House. 
Um, to quickly settle, before we get into any of the important issues, I have the most important question so far, which came up in an interview that I did with Violet. Uh, she's convinced uh, that Crunch House is haunted. What do you think about that? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that, I, like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the word I would use. Haunted. Uh... What is the word that you I mean, would can use? I just, I mean, like, Crusty? honestly, like, well, like, look, <laughs> this is the thing. And I got a song about it. I'm not the biggest with the DIY sure. scene and the culture. Sure. In general, it's not really for me. This obviously does not uh, reflect the opinions of uh, Violet and Power of Violets yeah, yeah. as a band. But, uh, I mean, they've, they've, they ripped us off. In what way? They didn't pay us. They paid us seven dollars. Okay, interesting. Do you, you know there was what over forty people there? It's twelve bucks to get in. They sold out a beer, and they hardly paid us. And the whole time they were kind of like jerks about it. Interesting. Not about the payment, but just about the whole thing. Don't take pictures of this. Don't do this. Everything's very mis like everything's very mysterious. So like I don't know. I don't want to shit on Crunch House, but like and obviously that's something that we might be taking. Yeah, it depends on you. Um, yeah, there is a thing with just like the DIY scene. Mm -hmm. As far as my familiarity with it, and a lot of independent musicians in general, and a lot of rock musicians, where it's like you have to be artsy and mysterious, right. and like I don't know, I don't like the idea of a, of that when it comes to venues as well. So maybe it is kind of haunted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I do want to ask you a little bit more about some of that DIY stuff, but I don't want okay. to also, because I have that uh, coming up, but I also don't want to let Crunch House off the hook because I I don't usually hear that kind of behind the scenes thing. I know that you know sometimes people do get taken advantage of or get screwed over, sure. but usually people don't want to talk about those types of things, right? No, of course. Um, so like I don't even know who, who organized that show because I know that Crunch House kind of you know swaps hands. That's the thing where it's like, I don't really know because okay. I'm not the guy doing that yeah. so like because there was a lot of fucking people you know, there there was a lot of people there and like you know it's just something where it's like look this is a thing when it comes to playing live just in general mm -hmm. and there's this there's the argument against you know like there's plenty of people that are like well why do you even think you deserve to get paid or like whatever right. it's like this like exposure thing when the reality of it is that it's like I got over a thousand followers on Instagram. Violet has plenty of followers. Like we all have plenty of places for exposure, right. you know? So it's not like, not to say that live shows aren't beneficial and the exposure helps, but I traveled from Brooklyn, right? You know, that was a three hour door to door thing. Right. And when, you know, it's not like I'm expecting to make whatever, $30, but like <laughs> that the ticket was and all that mm -hmm. jazz but like it is something that like i don't know it's like i'm all for like fuck ticketmaster fuck yeah. the big companies you know fuck like all that shit it's so messed up they're horrible to their employees they're horrible to artists they're horrible to the venues like yada yada, yada. but you can't be anti-establishment and then also be like bad right it's one of the like like things that sucks about being independent is that you have to be professional mm -hmm. because if not why would I want to go there right. or why would I want to perform there 
going there is a different thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you pay just like you do at every show. Right. Unless there's no pay. Like, you know, and then it's like, okay, you split the bar thing. Right. I don't know if it's an age thing because I am 29. I'm getting up there in age. And I've just done it for years. I've been making music now for 15 years. Um, and performing for about eight. Gotcha. Or, yeah, eight years. Gotcha. And, like, I don't know. It's just something that, like, it happens at a lot of places, too, where it's, like, they don't really talk about it. And if you don't ask about it, it will never be brought up. And mm-hmm. they'll just, they'll be, like, that's great. You played. Thanks. Like, you know, and it's, like. You know, I don't know. It's just something I, I just don't really get down with it. And it's very common in the DIY scene because I understand it's a community and everyone's supposed to be there and everyone's friends and everyone's supporting each other. But you're not supporting each other if you're not supporting each other financially. Right. Or if you're um, exploiting somebody, which is what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, like you can't like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I don't know anyone there. So mm-hmm. it's not like I, I don't want to be, you know. It's like bodega slams, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know. It's like, well, no, it's not that. It's like, I mean, hey, we did get paid. I don't understand how the door worked. I don't know, I don't know, you know, because I just played the show. Right. Like a friend of mine came. He he spent the twelve bucks to get in and whatever. They sold out a beer, you know. Um, I don't know. There was five bands or five artists. Yeah, that five. Performed. Yeah, it's five. Mm, I mean, like. Yeah, I don't know. That's too much. It, it just it's feels too much anyways. It just feels a little there's a lot of people that were there. But right. like yeah, I don't know. It's just it it's very common. And people don't talk about it because like a lot of things with money, they feel uncomfortable talking about it. And it's a very you know? it's, it it can feel like a very uncool thing, right? Because we're supposed to act like money doesn't matter, but yeah. money does matter because that's how we are able to survive and continue to make music. Um yeah. I mean, someone like myself, I don't come from much. Like, my my dad's a truck driver. My mother these days is mostly unemployed. Um, but, like, you know, so it's like money matters mm-hmm. because I need to survive. Like, it's not like I don't have anything to fall back. I don't live with my parents. I haven't in years. Like, you know, I'm on unemployment these days, and that shit's running up soon, too. Right. Um, and the only reason I'm even on that is because my job closed, which was a very beneficial thing i got to release albums and i got to kind of live my dream sort of um but it's like money matters you know it's like people that i'm only in it for the art i'm like do you also just happen to come from a rich family (laughs) sure right right you know because it's something where it's like once you're doing it and once you get paid for it in my eyes you should never really not get paid like there should be some form of payment and i'm not just a money 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 type of guy to begin with because one like you know it is the root of many uh yeah it sucks but but like there is definitely a part of it where it's like when it comes to getting paid as an artist it is necessary music is so undervalued these days just in general you know you stream for free everything's Mm -hmm. fucking free and it's like where do bands make money when they tour so right. when they play out, they should be paid. Right. Yeah. And it's it's very uh, talking out of both sides of the mouth to, on one hand, bash Spotify for being exploitative and for not valuing artists. And on the other hand, if you do have a show that you're throwing and, and that money is disappearing or is being unethically divided, then what's the difference between you and Spotify at that point? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's something where it's like I know I do I, I like you know in my own music I do a lot of stuff on my own it is mostly because of a money thing yeah it's because and it's not that I I just can't I just can't afford it like I can't afford to go to a studio and record my stuff so that's why I record in my bedroom and that's why I've been recording in my bedroom for so long um you know and luckily I've been able to learn and do all that stuff on my own and where it's like the DIY scene I'm like I'm as DIY as it fucking gets mm-hmm. like there's this is it you know right. <laughs> because I'm like how much money did they get that night right and like it's just something where like, I don't know just well, like things need to be said and it's not just that it's not just that venue itself right maybe that's what we could we could do we could blur we could bleep the venue since they <laughs> like to be bleeped anyway I say, I, you know, I don't, it's just something I, I don't I don't care if I talk shit about about somebody but I wouldn't want you to go on record for something that you might be uncomfortable about you know what I mean like so it doesn't matter to me no for sure yeah. I mean it's I didn't have a good experience there. gotcha yeah like personally everyone everyone in the audience was was very nice the people running it were as far as I know, I didn't even get anyone's name. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like, and like, I'm literally playing. And right. I was also the first one in my band there. And it's like, I should know, like, I don't know, like, like people's names. Right. <laughs> like, people should introduce themselves. And like, not be hostile, where it's like, don't take pictures of this. Don't take pictures of this. Don't open this door. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, are we in the Vatican or something? <laughs> or like, like, what is this like? Right. It's like it's like the epitome of gatekeeping, okay. where it's like this is our special spot. No one's allowed to see it. I understand where you don't want the police and stuff yeah. involved, or you don't want people, you know, breaking in or something like that. I totally get that. Like that's mm-hmm. something one hundred percent. But like anyone in that neighborhood knows that place is there. Right. The neighbors know that place is there. Right. Like anyone. I mean, like it's something where it's like I lived in New Haven for two years. I never went like I wasn't cool enough partially, but also just like, I didn't know where the fuck it was. And I mm-hmm. could never find out like people. I'd be like, Oh, so, so where is, uh, Oh, well, you know, you can't, I'm like, I'm sorry. What do you want me to come to your exactly. show or not? Like, right. how do you promote a show when you, you know, and I get it. It's like safe spaces. There's lots of places where they're like, Hey, DM for address and stuff like that. But like, it's very difficult to promote a show that way, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, and even, like, somebody who is, like, so let's say that I was, like, really into music, but I didn't have any friends in bands, and I just saw, you know, something about this, like, online, I, I might be interested and be like, oh, I know Power Violets, I'd like to check that out, and then it's like, oh, DM yeah. for address, like, well, I don't feel comfortable doing that, because I don't know anybody who's going to be there, is it going to be that kind of thing, do you have to know somebody who's going there, maybe I shouldn't go, maybe I should just listen to, you know, something else, you know, like, it's, yeah, yeah. That is gatekeeping. Someone like myself, I'm, I'm very, like, you know, I know I'm rather outspoken sometimes, but I'm actually incredibly shy and anxious, and I'm not one to just, like, go and DM a stranger. And one, like, it's probably not going to get responded to anyway. Right. Like, that's the truth of the matter. Where it's like, I get DMs from strangers, and, like, I do look at them. I, I respond to everyone, but I don't think, of, like, everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Where it's like, you know, you just leave them in your, just leave it in your inbox. Right. You know? It's like it's totally like normal 
to do that. Right. And I apologize to everybody listening who I have left unread uh, for the past year and a half. <laughs> that's my fault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's the other thing where it's like, it's totally normal. So it's something where it's just like, DM me, DM me for the address. And then, like, I'm not always the best with that. Right. Like, you know, we could, you know, so it's just, I don't know. I don't want to be a downer. No, 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 no. This is, <laughs> it's just like, this is a real part of like performing and, you know, being a part of independent music and like, you know, it's not so, cause like I've joked for years where I'm like, I can't wait to sell out, but like, mm-hmm. who are we kidding? Like, if that was the case, then I figure something would happen by now. Cause I've been joking about it for literally over 10 years. <laughs> like the truth of the matter. And it's not like I'm like a money is everything type of person uh i don't think i'd become a musician if i did think that way right because this is very much a thankless job and and uh, you have to love it to do it right and as much as like uh people joke about like quote unquote selling out like most people joke about it but if if i said like hey bo um i'd give you ten thousand dollars to put a song of yours on a truck on a like ford truck commercial i feel like yeah, you gotta take that, right? Like, like why? I mean, yeah, why ten grand. You, you know, like that's like as much as I'd make in half a year. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. ten thousand dollars. That's like I, <laughs> I would love. How that. many Spotify streams is that, right? Like that's yeah. my god. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, the amount of streams where it's like if I had that many streams, it, you know, I'd be so much bigger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, a Ford. Uh, to me, if someone asked me, I'd be like, what song? Like, that's my question. But, like, of course. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I'm I'm willing to cooperate with some stuff. I mean, there's also, I'm also the guy where it's like, I don't drink, like, Pepsi products. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm like the, no, I you get know, you. so, like, as there's lots of ethical. stuff where it's like, I try my best. And I have for years, too. It's something where, like, I literally had, while while at this show somebody was like you're drinking an aquafina water and i was like yeah i just sat on the train for three hours and that's what the train station happened to have for sale like go fuck yourself what am i (laughs) supposed to be drinking like fuck you i was (laughs) (laughs) you didn't get i was like yeah well that's all they have i'm sorry i didn't get it this locally sourced water from a stream in my backyard i literally traveled to come here like what are you what are you talking about? I didn't bring that New York water that's so famous to <laughs> Connecticut. That was offensive. <laughs> you didn't have any Fiji water packed or whatever, right? No, I mean, I don't even... Yeah. All right, well, thank you they so... They don't even sell that near me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, for, for talking about that. Because like you said, it is like super uncomfortable for a lot of people to speak up about that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So just people to, don't do it. Just to change gears just a little bit, I am going to ask you the first question that I ask everybody on the podcast. So, okay. So that first one didn't really count. This is the this is the official first question. Okay. Um, and because I want to talk about DIY stuff a little bit later too. Uh, cool. As part of a song that you wrote on an album that we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, all right. So the first question. That's enough fanfare. First question. What is your favorite place in Connecticut? And it doesn't have to be music related, so you can't say Crunch House as much as you might want to. What is your favorite place in Connecticut? Oh, man. That is a good question. I like the water. Okay. My family had a little boat when I was growing up. I mean, they still do. Um, my dad does. And 
I like my dad was always he was like when you're working class you don't go on vacation you have a boat right and I was like okay cool so my answer with that to that would be the Long Island Sound okay so it's like it is a Connecticut thing but it doesn't even have like a Connecticut name yeah but I would specifically say uh what is it called it's like Kikini Reef this is the beach it was uh, the island that I went to as a kid with my family is one of the places that I go to in my head yeah still to this day so that's that's definitely my I have tons of good memories there it's not something that's really like a super social thing you know it's mm-hmm. very much like it's just the family you know just be myself my brother my mom and dad when they were together and uh, yeah that is is just serene and and beautiful and where the water like you know everyone shits on the sound and they say that the water's like brown and like it is but like when you get out into it a little right. bit it's not it's just it only is really on the coast right right um so that would probably be my answer is my favorite place that sounds... maybe my second place would be no i don't even have an answer actually that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, really uh that's really nice it sounds nice like you painting that picture sounds really nice are you going to open up a venue on that reef Oh my god! <laughs> uh, no. Okay. I don't. They they don't even have electricity. <laughs> I mean, that would be like super DIY. Yeah, that is like. super DIY. <laughs> um, that's like a volume two in New Haven, like the the never ending bookstore. <laughs> it's like super lo fi and chill. Don't even plug in your mm-hmm. guitar, man. Just kind of show up and tell us about the song, and we'll do the rest, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, second question, also an easy softball follow up, is. Okay. Um, do you think an afterlife exists and what do you think it would be like? Oh man. Um, I mean, I go back and forth on this type of thing. My, just my relationship with religion in general. I wasn't raised religious, even though my parents might like try to argue that, but I'm like, no, I wasn't. (laughs) We just celebrate Christmas. Like it's not being religious. That's being a capitalist. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, an afterlife. I mean, the older I get, the more I'm like, God, I hope that exists, because this is rough. But um, <laughs> Well, the afterlife could be way worse, I, right? That's true. It could totally be worse. I don't think that it exists. Okay. I think it'd be nice. It's one of those things where it's like, like, what's that quote where it's all like, only humans can be so sad that they had to invent laughter or like you know it's like that type of thing yeah Yeah, i don't think it does but who knows maybe like 10 years from now you'll see me and i'm like i have like a shaved head and i'm like (laughs) i'm like yes it totally exists and let me give you a pamphlet on how how to get there with me uh, so I, I'm not gonna lie. I, although I, I love your music. I'm very excited about this like, uh, like evangelical phase of Bodega's catalog. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Using the holy and holy cannoli. You know, it's like, it's like underlined. <laughs> <laughs> the clues holy were all cannoli. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My first. So I should say when I was. Um, when I was making music before, I used to do it under the name I Shot the Pope, um, <laughs> which came from me like riffing on like iPods or something okay. where I was like, everything has I in the beginning of it. It's like something that sounds like a baby boomer joke. Um, so I put like that was like that was it for like 
couple years because I realized that if I do stuff under my birth name, which I no longer use in general, mm-hmm. um, it was hard to show people the music that I was working on. Okay. So I was like, if I do it under an artist's name that isn't my own name, yeah. they would give me a more um, honest reaction. Yeah, yeah. You know, where I'd be like, oh, yeah, here's this band I recorded. Right. You know, where it's like, because people didn't know, people didn't, I, I, I kept my music a secret for like ever. Why? You know, it was very much like, it was totally just for me type of thing. Um, and then when I started really like showing people it, they were like, is that you singing? Or like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that my my, uh, and I used to go to high school like dressed up like Jesus Christ and stuff on like superhero <laughs> day and like stuff like so, that. Like so, would you have like so in high school? Would you have called yourself like an edge lord? One hundred percent. I was totally. I like. I try so hard not to be that, or I don't think I'm really like that now. No, no. Um, but like. Yeah, like in high school, like I was like a, I was like a live action troll. Like I was like a real life, like it's like people are like trolls. They only exist behind computers these right. days. Well, yeah, no, it's not. The, like I used to like just bullshit people and just lie and just get them to react. And it was totally fucked up. But I was also like so not popular that it didn't feel like the stakes mattered okay. <laughs> like it wasn't but yeah yeah i was totally like i was like the worst type of like edgelord guy yeah is, no it was horrible is it just me or because i i, I don't know like i i wouldn't say that i was like necessarily edgy because i feel like i was too shy and and uh too worried about hurting somebody's feelings to be edgy uh growing up but like i feel like it used to be a more innocent time where like being a troll didn't mean that you were like a piece of shit you know, or you know what I mean like I feel like now yeah. it's now whenever people troll each other I think maybe because now we know what ramifications that can have that it's only 100% horrible people that do it and it's no longer like kind of like fun uh you know like gentle ribbing kind of things I don't know yeah I feel like a lot of it comes from uh the like extreme Right. of like the 90s and the aughts right. and the aughts which like people love to forget or they remember it they're like there was 9-11 and then Obama got elected mm-hmm. and like nothing happened in between <laughs> like where it's like no like shit was fucked up like actually a lot of comedies from then have aged horribly like yeah. you know a lot of like that like uh, ribbing each other that guys uh, you mostly tend to do um, you know it's just different and it's something where it's like, I mean, I was always so much for like the underdog as a kid, like just in general and just like very like, fuck you, you jock or whomever, right. like, you know, whatever the uh, ruling class sure. was, I guess, um, that I sort of, not to say I was like a fucking like Robin Hood person. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, like right. <laughs> I wasn't like good but like you're punching up yeah i definitely i definitely think that things yeah i was always i was always trying to punch up right uh like just because that's what's funny like even as a kid i thought that's what's funny right or mostly making fun of myself Mm -hmm. that was also like a big thing because i grew up overweight and um it's difficult like growing up heavy because people will just like tell you that you're fat Mm -hmm. all the time 
And I'm just like, yes, I know I'm fat. Or like I used to tell, I'm like, you think I don't own a mirror? Like I used to just, it, it got me to really get like quick witted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely used that stuff where it's like, I grew up like, you know, it's like, I said like my parents might say, like my mom, like she, you know, she's like, I'm spiritual. I'm not like religious, but right. I do have like a million angels in my house, you know, like <laughs> that type of stuff. But I'm like, I, I don't, I don't like religion. I was, I was very much, and like in other things too, where like, I was also the kid that got sent to the office all the fucking time because I said something that then ended up being true. Like it was something like, you know, it's like talking about like Thanksgiving or like Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, if it was so, you know, if Thanksgiving was so peaceful, then why did they kill all the Native Americans? Right. Like, it's just it's like we knew that, especially living in Connecticut, where it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure the name itself comes from Native Americans. Yeah, it's co-opted. I know the name of Norwalk does. Yeah. Um, so much like, of Connecticut is that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something where it's like you can't really you can't say that we had a peaceful, you know, dinner mm-hmm. once. And I mean, I say we as if my family was even in this country. But like um, you know, us everyone had a peaceful dinner and mm-hmm. then all these people were you know, fucking slaughtered. So like um I got in trouble for that a lot of the time, which definitely was like a little like edgy. I'm like, I know something that you don't fucking thing that I would do. I'd be like, you know, where it's like, you don't even teach this in your books right. because you're afraid or like whatever the fuck. It was totally like some like edgy bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I'm super not proud of it though. Like I definitely like the older I get, I'm like, oh yeah, like that was like fucked up. However, like also fuck you. But like, yeah. yeah. Like I, I regret it. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that maybe, maybe the afterlife is not uh, reliving moments from, from growing up, right? Oh my god! Like all the awkward moments in life. <laughs> yeah, it's just that. Like I'm like a loop. I mean, like, part of it with my like edge lordiness just turned into, um, how I write lyrics. What do you mean? Where like, well. I realized because for years, because I also totally bought into the like, um, the like, uh, you have to be a sad artist and like, you know, you have to be, you know, it's like, you've, you know, no good artist has ever had a good relationship unless it ended, right. you know, because right. <laughs> then they have something to swoon over and be sad about. And, but like, I totally bought into that shit. And then as I've been in a good relationship for three years now, a very healthy relationship. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, we, it's something where I'm like, cause I totally used to get myself into like fucked up scenarios so that I had something to write about. Like mm-hmm. I just thought like, you know, it's not like I can't be creative on my own. I need to live these things. And, right. you know, There's a romanticization like I, of it. Yeah. That type of stuff. And then when I was working on oof, which was released last year, um, which is a bunch of music that I made in Connecticut. That's my real like Connecticut album, that and Sleeping Alone. Um, like I realized that a lot of the songs that I wrote were written out of spite. Like it wasn't actually, not to say that it's like, you know, the healthiest way mm-hmm. to write lyrics, but I was like, you know, it's, oh no, I don't write lyrics when I'm sad. I write lyrics more when I'm just like bitter. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, newer songs of mine, like, um, I don't like rich people mm-hmm. or DIY scene right. or soft boy 
uh, all off holy cannoli, um, are like me being angry mm -hmm. at a particular thing. Like soft boy is like you're very sarcastic. It's about. it's very sarcastic and it's very much like i mean soft boy itself it's like because people will compare me to a soft boy mm -hmm. which at one point in my life totally fucking fit um but then as i like then i dated a real soft boy and i was like oh wait a minute like <laughs> <laughs> i'm no it's not me that's like that it's like this and i'm like fuck those guys <laughs> and then i wrote that song because like the guys that manipulate people and they're like no i'm just sensitive right. i'm not going to like ruin your fucking life um yeah so a lot of being like spiteful which i guess is like an edgy like you know it's like fuck you i'm gonna write this because fuck you i'm not writing it <laughs> for uh me mm -hmm. necessarily or like because I lived something or whatever. Yeah. That's that's really where the edginess has gone to. Gotcha. And just making fun of myself. But yeah. <laughs> you do self-deprecate a lot on, on social media, I feel like. Um, <laughs> so you, uh, you, you briefly mentioned um, um, going by Bodega. Like, the, mm -hmm. if, if somebody is listening to this and they've never listened uh, to, to your work, um, it's Bo... All one word, Dega, last word, or last name. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. So um, you've you've explained on social media because I remember seeing the explanation for where that name came from. But could you tell mm -hmm. people who don't know where that yeah that of course story is? the name Bodega comes from a time when I was um, I used to sell weed and like yeah we'll just leave it at that in Connecticut and. In, I know. You're who poisoning our yeah. streets. You're running that from filth. Norwalk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So service. I did that. That was my. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I did it for four years. It was like a term. Um, yeah. No. I I did it. That was like my college. I, I did it from senior year of high school, and then four years after that. At one point, I would get phone calls in the middle of the night. Like, you know, not not like just like random phone calls, just like people, you know, asking me what was good if I was around or what right. have you. And I'd be like, dude, like it's four in the morning. I ain't open all day like a fucking bodega. Yeah. And then like that stuck mm -hmm. uh, with some friends of mine, but not as much as it may seem in the story. And then it just sort of it turned more into a thing as time progressed. And then also I got really paranoid just in general, because, like, it was hard to release music and be, like, someone's dealer. Because being a dealer, specifically from Norwalk, specifically at the time, you have to be kind of 
I got robbed multiple times. Like you have to be tough. Right. You know, right. I, I don't know if it's like that anymore. I have no idea. I mean, like things are so different now. Shit's just legal now, man. With all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's like <laughs> things could not be yeah. any more different. Right. Um, and like being like, oh, yeah, so I also make music. And then I show them my music and it's me like crying. <laughs> like it didn't really work yeah. so well. So I, so I was like, okay, I need to get rid of like my birth name. Mm-hmm. And embrace something else. So I would go to these like parties and stuff where I didn't really know people, but they'd be like, "You look familiar." And I'd be like, "Ah, oh, I get it all the time." Mm-hmm. And I just lie. I just tell people my name was something else. And then eventually, I was like, "Well, this is just actually what I go by these days, I guess." Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then it just sort of became my name. Do you ever get annoyed with the NYC band Bodega? I, you know, I didn't even know that they existed until I moved to New York. Okay. It was literally like the weekend I moved to New York. And um, I mean, like, look, I'll tell you this much. When it comes to like, you know, me being, I can't, I can't get that upset that there's another band called Bodega because there's a million fucking bodegas just in general. It's spelled uh, different too. It is spelled different. And it's something where I actually had the name first. Yeah. But um, not spelled their way, but just in general. I remember like I was driving to New York back when I had my car and I was like, I was like moving all my stuff and all that stuff. And like, I was listening to WFUV and they were like, and here's a new track from this Brooklyn based band, Bodega. And I was like, whoa. And they said it like <laughs> it was a name. They didn't say it like Bodega, right. which is what it is. They said Bodega. Right. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? I was like, I just moved here. How do they know I was from Brooklyn? Right. And then I hear this other band and I'm like, oh God. There was definitely like a couple months where I was like, what do I do? Yeah. And then I just sort of accepted that I was like, well, they exist right. and I exist and that's the way it goes. You know, it's right. like, I don't think people really confuse us. I see what you mean. Like we, we make very different music and, or at least I think so. I don't know. I don't really listen to them that much, but from what I've heard, we make very different music and they're also a little older and they're very much like, yeah, they're, you know, they got their own thing going on. Yeah. But no, I don't. I, I, these days I don't get upset. I mean, I don't even really know where they are anymore. I, think I don't either. Like, yeah, they they had like one album that like I liked. Uh, this is before CT Versus, so I was I, yeah. I I unfortunately listened to other uh, music except for Kinetic. You know, uh, it wasn't just right, right, right. Kinetic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were good, and I don't know what happened to them since then. That was several years ago. I don't know if they're still around or not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, they could be a band still. They could not. I yeah. honestly have no idea. I mean, at this point, like, especially with music, it's like, if you stick around for longer, that's the way to do it. You know, longevity actually does mean something. Yeah. Um, some people are, you know, at least with, like, name recognition. To shift gears a little bit, this has kind of come up in some of our conversations um, uh, through DMs, but you have a very, very uh, diverse set of influences. Like in your music, you can hear all sorts of sounds. And one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is some of those sounds are quite old. Like there's sounds of doo-wop, sounds of Beach Boys. It's weird to mm-hmm. call Beach Boys old, but you know that. Was no, like they're 60s, definitely old. Or, you know, sixties. So. Yeah. So, I'm I'm always fascinated whenever artists have those kinds of influences because I feel like it's it can be really hard to get into that old shit without mm-hmm. some kind of guidance. Usually, totally. I, usually I find that that means that there's like a, like a really interested and invested uh, parent or sibling that's like, hey, let me show you these Everly Brother records or something like that. Right, right, right. So 
how did you get into that old stuff? Okay. Well, one, I have a very musical family. Not in the way that we all play instruments, mm -hmm. but, I mean, three out of four. Um, my mom used to write songs, and she plays a little guitar mm -hmm. and sings. My brother, who's four years older than me, but he does a lot of stuff okay. at Crystal Theater. He has his own program. He has multiple students. He's, he went to school f uh, for voice. Um, but he's more into musical theater and stuff like that. And I guess that's sort of something that kind of opened up the idea of even listening to older music because when we were younger, it's like my brother was listening to like the Spice Girls, but then also like, um, I don't know. I mean, like to say Mozart is mm -hmm. like, just cause it's the first name, but like listening to classical music and stuff like that because he played viola. And my, um, and my dad loves music. He loves live music specifically. He was something of a deadhead. Nice. Um, so he used to like, you know, follow them around and, you know, both my parents, my parents are kind of hippies. Um, and like, so it was like, that's always what was being played. Like I grew up with a lot of Beatles, a lot of Motown, a lot of uh, like music before I started picking my own music. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. Yeah before like 14 years old yeah you're being it's indoctrinated like, exactly there's a lot of that stuff but then once i started really doing stuff on my own um because i was so interested with the process of how music is made mm -hmm. and where inspirations and influences come from um the internet was my greatest tool and i spent a lot of time just alone just listening to music where it's like Okay, I listened to, I mean, like, here's one, like, little flow chart. I listened to Nirvana yeah. when I was in high school. Um, Kurt Cobain liked John Lennon. Mm -hmm. Why did he like John Lennon? Who cares? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's listen to the Beatles. Yeah. Like, then we listened to the Beatles. Who did the Beatles listen to? Well, they listened to a lot of Little Richard. They listened to a lot of Everly Brothers, um, Buddy Holly. Okay, cool. Now let's go back there. What did they listen to? You know, so it just becomes this thing where, because music just in general brings things together, mm -hmm. you know, it brings people together, brings influences from all over the world. I mean, you look at a drum set and you got some, you got things from all over the world, you know, inventions from all over the world. You got Turkish symbols, you got these big toms from other countries, you know, just, yeah. that's what music is. And that to me is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Where like a couple of years ago, I got obsessed not obsessed, but I am definitely like, I need to know like everything. I'm like one of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I need to know everything about X, Y, Z. Um, so like I got really into like parliament Funkadelic mm -hmm. because I listened to Jimi Hendrix and I listened to Prince, but there was something in the middle there that I knew I was missing. And I got into that. And then it was like, everything started making sense where I'm like, wow, like that's like all over all this like West coast hip hop that I listened to growing up, like all these like Dr. Dre beats and stuff like that. It's right, like right, all in right. that P-Funk stuff. Just that process of putting things together and seeing how connected things are just musically and influences and stuff like that is so interesting to me. So it's, definitely what drives that like yeah i'm gonna listen to a song that was like written in the 30s because <laughs> why not you right. know because it's like that was the great depression and what were they writing about mm -hmm. because people have always been writing music 
So that's, yeah, that's really where that type gotcha. of thing comes from. Yeah, I didn't, I actually didn't listen to, I had never really listened to the Beatles at all until uh, a friend in college was like, hey, have you listened to the White Album? And I was like, I haven't listened to any of their albums. Um, yeah. Just because my parents didn't, you know, like, I, and I was like really into music, but it was like, mm-hmm. I didn't have somebody there to kind of be like, oh, you should check this out or, or to encourage me to be interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't really... There wasn't really like that. Like, it's like my parents were around, but it was very much just like me with headphones on in front of the desktop computer where like I learned how to play guitar and all that stuff. Like, um, and just searching online because I was online. I was one of those like online people for (laughs) years. Like, you know, where it's like I had a podcast in like 2005. Like, no, it was like me and Ricky Gervais. Like, no one else had a podcast, (laughs) you know, and like just like learning about stuff that way because my parent I also decidedly picked not to do things that my parents liked sure so like my dad likes the Beatles but mostly their earlier stuff mm-hmm. because he grew up then right you know where like I at the time liked their older stuff just for them as an example mm-hmm. or like the Beach Boys I didn't really get into them because I was like, who gives a fuck these songs about like cars and girls? Like, what is this? <laughs> right. Like, but like then from seeing enough things about like pet sounds and like all this stuff where people are like, Brian Wilson is amazing. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. He's also schizoaffective, which I am as well. So it's something where I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, you got me. I'm, I'm curious. So, yeah. and listening to like, American music because I I listened to a bunch of other stuff for years I like really like avoided um, American music like Mm -hmm. anything that's like folky and like the Beach Boys or like Motown or like you know just like a lot of stuff where I was like I went through a phase of not listening to that and then I was like actually I am going to listen to a bunch of stuff (laughs) like that because I shouldn't be ignoring where I'm from like I went through like my phase of like I only listen to like music from Brazil and like Nigeria and like whatever um, and then when I brought it, when I started listening to everything that was not everything, but like a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that was made here in the States, um, was right around when I started recording more in general. I see. I think you could hear it in the songs, like stuff that's more influenced by one thing than another. Uh, Cause sometimes I'll write stuff with that in mind. Where I'm like, just as a, as like a writing experiment, mm-hmm. like I have like my, the winter song It's on oof, which I literally wrote because I was like, fuck Christmas, but also <laughs> like, you know, I want to make my like Phil Spector Christmas yeah, yeah. song or like my like, you know, Beach Boys Christmas album song. So that's what that song <laughs> is. Right. So there's lots of stuff like that that I've done over the years. Gotcha. So they, some of those songs start conceptually, it sounds like. Yeah, like like I spent, I mean, like I loved the Ramones is literally how I learned how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. Then like because of like torrents and stuff, I was like, wow, I have like the entire discography mm-hmm. of the Ramones. So I remember like one night I was like manic and I like just listened to everything by the Ramones. And then the next day I made Childhood Trophies, which is like pretty punk rock, yeah. like especially when you compare it to other songs I've made. And it's because of the Ramones because I was like oh wow that like downstroke guitar it's like non-stop downstroke guitar and bar chords which I only play bar chords really in general anyway but like 
just that type of like, okay, you have to do this, which I'm doing with my wrist, but people can't see it except for you. Um, you know, you have to do that, like take after take after take until you get it right, until it feels right. And that to me is fascinating. So, yeah. Let's take a, a quick 30 minutes to talk about how great the Dandy Warhols are. I like the Dandy Warhols. <laughs> I, I'm so glad yeah. to hear that because we, we've kind of talked about it just a little bit, like through DMs. But like, I love Dandy Warhols. I'm not afraid to admit it. But I feel like when they were coming through, it was before my time because like mm-hmm. all the critics and all the blogs like fucking hated Dandy Warhols. And you always hear them talk shit about how like they're a ripoff of Velvet Underground or whatever, which I think is sure. ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, so so whenever whenever you you mentioned that that was like an influence in the past, I was like, yes, somebody that I can relate to. <laughs> I mean, specifically that one DIY song. Yeah, I was like, I I bet I can make this kind of like the Dandy Warhols and a couple other songs that I sort of went for as well. I actually wrote that song not because of a write up that you did. But the sound of it was influenced because I think there was something where you said that like I had I, I made like glam rock. Okay. Uh, for my song, um, maybe was it uh, anything? Or any, no, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, that, that one. Okay. Anything for you? Right. Which I think was the first like write up I got for that song in general. Okay. I get around like a beach boy's wet dream. Nothing's as it seems, and I'm coming apart at the seams. like yeah i guess i do kind of make stuff that way you for sure do (laughs) like but like you know sometimes like part of it is just because i'm like well like i make like some stuff that kind of rocks and i'm pretty queer and i guess it's just (laughs) it's like bound to happen like i was a theater kid so like yeah it totally makes sense um but i'd never look at it that way because i don't really look at what i make in like a genre right type of thing mm-hmm. really just because i'm just like well the, uh, unless it's like a i'm going to make this right. type of song as an homage or whatever or mm-hmm. things that are just for me really mm-hmm. um yeah. but yeah that's why that's where the dandy warhols i was like because they're kind of they're kind of glammy yeah, but not really yeah. but they kind of you know what i mean it's yeah. like yeah, gotcha. And yeah, I, I like them. It's it's so hard to be objective about your own sounds, and I think it's because you are aware of an entirely different context for the songs than I am, right? So, like, for you, you might hear, like, oh, this is where the Little Richard comes in, this is where the Everly Brothers sure. comes in, and this is where the more newer things that I've been listening mm-hmm. to come in. Um, and for me, like, when I hear all those things put together, it's like, oh, that kind of sounds a little bit like Suffragette City or something like that, you know, like a, a bubble sure. track. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think the the interesting thing about kind of what you're saying that's resonating with this is like, I think that glam rock was because a lot of 
British artists were discovering a lot of the American songbook. They were discovering jazz and blues and, mm-hmm. and electrifying it and then, you know, like making it theatrical. Um, so, yeah, that's super interesting to hear. Um, when your album, Holy Cannoli, was named one of the best albums of the year in CT Versus, um, what was the after party like for celebrating such an achievement? I mean, it was huge, honestly. It was as huge as it could have been in 2020, um, which was me and my uh, partner just kind of hanging out. And I was like, oh, my God, I made it. So, you you know, you've released um, like over 50 songs between 2020 and 2021. And I know six songs something okay like that. yeah and and it's part crazy. of that was you know you were mentioning like oof some of those are, are a little bit older right like some of those go back yeah. a couple of years mm-hmm. um so what spurned the like the the huge kind of like swell of like all right all this is coming out you know you got oof that's coming out of older tracks you got holy cannoli which is something you've been working mm-hmm. on for a while and you have day olds which is kind of like a it's not really kid a you know but it's Kind no, of, in some ways, it's like a it's like a grab bag like of the making of and yeah, holy cannoli. Yeah, B sides and demos and stuff like that. Yeah, um, well, I mean, like I lost my job on St. Patrick's Day, okay, twenty twenty. You know, March seventeenth. It was like all of a sudden the rest of my, you know, like my coffee shop that I was working at closed down and and I started collecting unemployment. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one to really just like sit around. Mm-hmm. Like, I I get really antsy just in general, and I'm always working on music in general. Yeah. Like, even though, like, kind of recently I've been sort of taking a break, but even then, like, my break is, like, I'm, like, playing live and stuff like that. Right. But, like, um, it was literally just, like, a direct, you know, cause and effect from mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic and everything sort of shutting down and where I was, like, this is my opportunity to really like, cause I don't, you know, I've joked about it for years, but I'm not so, I don't really look back often and I'm not someone that's really nervous about the future. My therapist used to say that, uh, they had problems, you know, getting people to think in the now. Right. To but be, that's to be not, present. Yeah. To be in the present. And I'm like, well, that's not something I, really have problems with because <laughs> of whatever mm-hmm. but always that i say i if i plan for the future better it would show that i cared anything about the future but i don't <laughs> um i mean i do but i don't and like 2020 came around and like i was like i need to go through these songs these are still good songs mm-hmm. no one's ever heard them like i released them on soundcloud you know I mean, like, some of them fucking, like, are almost 10 years ago. And where it's like, they didn't get enough plays when I released it. And I was like, well, that's it. It's dead to me. Like, you know, I'm like, it's gone. Like, no one can hear it. And then as I was looking at my stuff, I was like, well, shit, man. Like, I'm in a, I was in a writer's block. I couldn't figure out what to do after my album Sleeping Alone. Mm -hmm. Because I did have another project that I was in called Control V which I did uh, before Sleeping Alone came out in 2017. Like, that was, like, music that I did, and then I was supposed to do another sequel album to it, but then things kind of didn't work out with myself and my uh, bandmate, former bandmate. Um, And, like, 
not that we're like on bad terms or anything, but it's like we lived in different places. We're yeah. listening to different stuff. They were working on their uh, solo stuff. I was working on my solo stuff, you know, whatever. Right. So 2020 came around. I lost my job and I was like, man, I got to like, I can't have this one album. Like if someone wants to hear what I sound like. Right. Because, you know, it's like when it's like people ask, like, what type of music yeah. do you make? And I'm like, well, I got my music on Instagram or on Instagram. What am I saying? On Spotify mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And there was just the one album, mm-hmm. which was like a concept album because it's just all about relationships. And I did it all on my, you know, little four track recorder. And um, I was like, well, that's not actually what my music sounds like. Right. And still, like, really, like only a couple songs, like Holy Cannoli, I think, is my best showcase of like what my music sounds like because there's a little more r&b in there there's a little more ambient stuff and stuff like that but it was really just like i was like i have the time like Mm -hmm. this is the dream for a musician which is that you just get paid to make music at least for me i mean like i I know that there's like you know touring and stuff like that but it's like the dream is i don't have a day job anymore right and you can just focus on this suddenly suddenly my day job was gone and I finally got to just focus on my music. And I went through over 300 songs for oof of just recordings, tapes, all these things of just all these little songs. Some of them, I thought that there was going to be a lot more like rough demos than there ended up being on it, but it wasn't the case. Like there's a lot of, I'm like, this is like a finished fucking song. (laughs) And like, so I put all those together and I did that. And like, oof is really like the beginning of me promoting Holy Cannoli. Okay. Cause I'm like, okay, well like, here's this and I'm going to keep, you know, releasing stuff and try to get some momentum going for Holy Cannoli because I want people to listen to my new stuff, but they should, you know, if they want, they could listen to the old stuff, which is now available. And then Holy Cannoli came around and day old is just because of the, three years it took me to make holy cannoli gotcha so um how do you feel about each of those three individually then so like if they you know they all kind of came out and i'm sure that you probably feel quite differently about oof than you do holy cannoli you know oh yeah i mean like oof is an album that like i feel so disconnected with the person that made that music even though it was like totally me um is that why you have a picture of a young bodega yeah, okay. that's exactly why. Yeah, me and my, my first grade. Uh, <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, my bowl cut. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it was totally because, like, that's why it's called Oof. Because it's like, oof. Like, looking back. Okay. I mean, I also say oof all the time. I did for <laughs> years. But, like, it's like, and I say holy cannoli. I mean, now I probably say it less, even though I released that album. But I used to say it all the time. I'd be like, holy cannoli. Um but yeah, like, oof, my relationship with it is just, it's, it's, it's where I'm like, you know, that's how I had to get here. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of experiments and stuff that, like, I was really trying out new things. There's also a lot of that stuff was from a time where I didn't look at myself as a musician, but I only looked at myself as a producer. Okay. Because I didn't show people my music, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess around that time I was showing people my music. But it was mostly, I was like, I need to know how to record this. So I need to learn how to play these instruments. There's a lot of that stuff. Instead of like, oh, like this is my music. And like, I'm like owning it. Instead, you know. So, 
Oof is like a weird, like experimental thing. I don't really listen to it, honestly, okay. like as much as I would the other stuff, just because they've been around for so much longer in my life. I mean, those songs are from 2011 to 2017. And um, with the majority of it recorded around 2015 to 2017 is when I lived in New Haven. Um, and then like, there's the Sleeping Alone album that isn't in these three, mm -hmm. but like just the making of that and doing it all on tape and being like, fuck computers, I get lost in the mix all the time, I add way too many layers and I do all this stuff, I'm like, I need to strip down things because the songs on Oof, I cannot play live. Gotcha. Like, I just can't do it. Like, I don't have a band, and if I was to play them live, it would be horrible. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. I also don't know how to play those songs anymore in general, but, like, that's why I did Sleeping Alone the way I did. And then um, Day Old's, so, like, the making of Holy Cannoli, there's more songs where it's, like, you could hear, it's, like, I mean, obviously there's, takes on there that are like super rough like the demo for holy cannoli the song itself it's just like me with a piano and then like some like a couple overdubs but yeah, like but i love that though i one of the things that i love about day olds is like the demos that you do have included on there how different they are because mm -hmm. um i because i whenever seeing some of your instagram stories like i can see that some some of these songs take quite a bit of prep where like you you make notes and you kind of like log kind of like some ideas you know like on a physical page um, yeah and so to hear kind of like oh this is what the idea was and here's how it eventually came out is like super fascinating it's kind of like letting us see like you know how the sausage is made or whatever well it's sort of it goes back to that like me wanting to know everything about mm. xyz artists where it's like whatever like me listening to nirvana and it's like by the time i got to listen to nirvana that shit was way over right. and the box set of like uh with the lights out, with the, with the lights out called. yeah that, that yeah the, yeah the, where the there's all the demos on there that's right i thought that that was the coolest thing yep. listening to demos of like a fucking like gigantic band because it makes them so much more human right where it's like this isn't the polished Nevermind album. Right. I mean, like, I've listened to Michael Jackson demos where it's like, this is Michael Jackson. Yeah. Like, he was the most famous man in the world mm -hmm. at one point. And, like, you know, I know he's, like, you know, messed up. Sure. But listen to these demos. Like, this is crazy. It's like him, like, in his house, like, mm -hmm. wherever, like, banging on a, on a, on a uh, bottle <laughs> and using that as percussion. Mm. And it's just like, you're one of the richest people a lot. Like, you know, so mm -hmm. it's something where, like, listening to demos in general, I love listening to demos. And I love listening to stuff like that where it's like, it's like you could, you could see, you know, it's like listening to um, Daniel Johnson. Yeah, Dan yeah. That's his name, right? That is, yeah. yeah. His stuff, it's like where it's like, there's these super rough recordings, but you could hear the songs. Mm -hmm. And you could hear the other parts if you want mm -hmm. like you know where it's like they're not there but you can you know your your head sort of does the work of filling in the blanks absolutely um much like a book much like when you read a book and it's like you have to like imagine like what shit's like that's what it feels like with like listening to demos for me um and uh that's why i i 
was like, I was like, well, if I released Oof, I might as well do Dailed. Because I'm like, well, these are these demos, but they're not really demos. They're almost too polished. I'm like, I want to show people the more, like, things that I would be afraid for people to listen to right, if right. I didn't already release Holy Cannoli. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, off the confidence of Holy Cannoli, I was like, well, fuck it. Now let's release how it was made. <laughs> yeah. Because there's songs on there that were... They just didn't make the cut, mm-hmm. like, you know, or they were experiments or like, like, um, generation priced out or generation fuzzed out, depending on the version are two totally different songs. And a part of it comes from how I used to do stuff when I was making music, uh, in control V where it's like, we never played two shows the same. Mm-hmm. We always were. You know, this show's acoustic, this show's electric, this show, this other electric show has backing tracks, this other electric show has a drummer, this other electric show has a different drummer, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, where it's like, and it changes how you look at these songs. It got me to kind of get over the perfectionist aspect of it, where I'm like, no, like a good song is a song that can have many lives, you know, like there's a reason why however many people, like so many people have sang yesterday. I realize like this interview makes me sound like I'm like the biggest fucking Beatles fan in the world. But like that's just I'm like I'm not I am but I'm not at the same I would time love I'm like that there's so many other artists was that like oh, yeah, the is the oh, Beatles this, fucking, <laughs> this guy likes the Beatles. <laughs> but like you know there's a reason why songs that are held up high mm-hmm. and covered a million 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 times are mm-hmm. and it's because they're just good songs and you can interpret them in so many different ways. Do you think, and I try to do that with demoing and stuff like that. Do you think that songs can be definitive? Like a definitive version of yeah, a song? Yeah, so, so like, for example, like, you know, on your album, you know, the title track, Holy Cannoli, like, is that the final version of Holy Cannoli? Can that exist? Um, I mean, like, as of now, it, it is, but, you know, I do firmly believe in like death of the author and like mm-hmm. you know people reinterpreting it and like hey if people want to cover my music and stuff like that by all means feel free as long as you give me credit you're totally <laughs> allowed to um you know I, I do think that like there's songs that i wrote where i'm like this song would probably be better if it was written by another or if it was sang by another person okay. um or whatever but like i don't know you know i think i don't like rich people could just be a better song i think i could have done better on that i don't know if that's the definitive version it's not I could have written better lyrics in some of the verses or there's only two verses but like in the second verse I don't know it could have been better like I could have done more I could have said more 
But at the time, I was kind of pressed for time, which was exciting because I work well under pressure. But I don't know if that is the definitive version. And it's also something where I'm like, it might not be the definitive version that's in my head because that uh, sentiment Mm -hmm. of, you know, class inequality and stuff like that. And, you know, it's there's a lot to be said. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I really said uh, I don't think I really did it as well as I could have. So, so you'll release yeah. a, I, I still hate rich people, uh, track. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's something that I would probably play with more live or just yeah. write like another song gotcha. that's like similar topics because, you know, you yeah. could write about same topic a million times and make it a different song. Yeah. I yeah. I like whenever artists tweak their own stuff like that and and show us demos like you were saying but also kind of you know mess mess with things live and 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 there they can kind of take on you know like a a new life whenever they're live. I mean it's something where like if someone was to see me perform one you know you're a winner but um <laughs> <laughs> No, but I don't really perform that often sure. because I don't have a band for my own stuff. And um, so it's always going to sound different mm-hmm. and I'm always going to play it a little differently. And sometimes I'll switch up the words and stuff like that because it's my song. You know, that's one of the, the benefits of it being uh, my own type of thing. I could I could just change it like there are no fuck ups when you are the one who did everything. Like, you know, it's like you can't fuck up live on your own song because it's my own song you know what i mean yeah i see what you mean like, but I've, I've also heard some bands play original songs that i can they definitely fucked up uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean like there's yeah like i've totally fucked up <laughs> live like in general i'm bad with remembering my own lyrics which is feels so stupid i'm like why can i not remember <laughs> literally something that i said like but i just can't i'm not the best with it But yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just like, I'm like, music is always evolving and changing. Mm -hmm. And like, to what my definitive version of something, where it's like people fall in love with demos. A lot of musicians, they fall in love with the demo that they made. Mm -hmm. It's part of the reason I made Sleeping Alone on a four track recorder, because I was making all this stuff that essentially is what's on OOF, where then I would find myself really preferring the demo and being like, well, this was better like when I first wrote it. Mm-hmm. But then I did all this shit to it <laughs> and I don't like it anymore. Right. So, but you know, so it's like what's definitive to me and what's definitive to somebody else could be two completely different things. Gotcha. That makes sense to me. Um, where did you get those awesome sunglasses on the cover of It's Love? I got them uh, on a website called I Buy Direct, E Y E B U Y D I R E C T dot com. I'm not sponsored, but I fucking should be because <laughs> I I buy a lot of glasses through them. I'm as blind as a bat without my glasses. So, okay. like, yeah, I, I love those glasses. Those were my first, like, I'm like, I have sunglasses for the first time, yeah. like, ever. Because when you can't see, oh, gotcha. I those see bad boys got to be prescription, you know what I mean? <laughs> and those are prescription, which, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 I love those glasses. So the the first track on Day Olds, which I'm just going to call the Ikea song, um, 
was that one that you felt didn't fit in with Holy Cannoli, or was it written like right after the deadline? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why is it on? No, there I wrote it. I wrote it almost a year ago today, which I should have posted about it. But um, it was a little too lo-fi for okay. what I was going for on Holy Cannoli. Holy Cannoli to me is like my like seventies album, which I think mm. is so funny because now it's like the set. The seventies are back. Like there's lots of like seventies stuff going on, like with Bruno Mars and like right. Anderson Pack, <laughs> like that like super seventies stuff. And, um, I was going for like a lot more like. If Sleeping Alone is my 60s album, where there's lots of, like, booming reverb and um, kind of folky stuff and stuff like that, where it's very distorted and, you know, um, but distorted, like, not like it's a distortion box, but, mm-hmm. like, distortion in the sound itself. Yeah. Um, then, uh, then Holy Cannoli is my 70s album, where, like, there's a lot tighter drum sound, there's a lot more synthesizers, because I give myself these, like, rules for what I want uh, an album to be like, mm-hmm. for it to flow. And because if not, I will literally just be working on it forever. <laughs> the Ikea table song, um, I didn't put out because, I didn't put it on Holy Cannoli just because, uh, well, one, it was a demo. And I didn't want to re-record it okay. because I liked what I did. Also, the way that I write sometimes, I write many different ways, as lots of artists do. One way that I go about writing is that I will just play my guitar and sing and improvise lyrics. And what comes out is what comes out. And then maybe I'll do edits later. But on that song, that like the vocal that you, the main vocal that you're hearing is just what I came up with on the spot. It's about writer's block, more or less. And like, that's something that is nice to have in my tool belt of like, okay, cool, I could just like bang out a song, like, you know, whatever. But I tend to get nervous as more time goes on with the material and stuff like that, where I'm like, oh, should I like not release this because of whatever? Or should I change lyrics or? You know, I start second guessing myself. It's something where I think like if I had another producer or something like that, mm-hmm. like around, they could help, you know, be like, no, 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 that's good. Like, just mm-hmm. release that. Um, but yeah, I mostly just didn't put on Holy Cannoli because it was very much uh, more lo-fi and more like, like I look at it now as like it's a blend between Holy Cannoli and Sleeping Alone because okay. it's a little more lo-fi but it still has like the lyricism and like the mindset of stuff that i wrote around holy cannoli because i think my lyrics on sleeping alone are fucking trash <laughs> uh, i think they're so bad because they were just songs that i just kind of i just wrote because i was like this sucks but fuck it you're recording you're making an album put it out just right. do it because right. if not i'll just sit on it forever so if if Sleeping Alone is your 60s record and Holy Cannoli is your 70s record, I'm going to say the Oof is your 90s record. Uh, does that mean that your next record is going to be your 80s or your aughts record? Um, so the, what I've been working on recently is a little more 80s. It's still kind of 70s, though. It's like okay. a later 70s type of vibe. Um, but I'm trying to... Um, and I guess it would be kind of aughts because there's a little more like danciness involved i'm trying to get people's people to dance Mm -hmm. because i like um i like performing music where it gets people to dance because you could easily tell if you're failing 
and not just standing there with dancing? their arms crossed or their yeah hands i mean like that's yeah. yeah exactly that's a lot of like the like more of that like scene stuff that i just can't fucking yeah. stand where it's like, i'm too cool to dance <laughs> <laughs> or i'm like come on dance this is a mu- it's music like what are we doing um yeah yeah i would say it's it's probably going to be a little more 80s but i don't know it could change i also want it to be more collaborative i don't want to just make it all on my own um because in a way holy cannolis and sleeping alone are like my calling card of like hey i do all this stuff but i'm tired of it Mm -hmm. because i am tired of working alone like i want to i want to work with other people and i wish i could have you know someone else mix it or someone else like just do all the stuff where it's like yeah like i don't you know I don't want to have to worry as is the mic clipping like you know while I'm like in the middle of a take and it's like that was the best take I ever did. oh fuck the uh, the mic clipped or like whatever like you know stuff like that I feel like uh would really be awesome if, if it wasn't just me right so yeah. all the technical bullshit yeah which like is something that kind of is like a part of the 80s where it's like all the like you know big like rock bands by the time the 80s came around they have like so much fucking money and cocaine and excess and And compression you know it's like yeah and you can't (laughs) really hear like their sounds completely change and like you know everything but the kitchen sink production Mm -hmm. stuff like that and um yeah i'm looking forward to like the like excess part of my career So we've we've kind of mentioned, you know, the the song DIY scene, and so I wanted to kind of, you know, maybe get close as we get closer to the end of the episode, kind of explore that song, but also um, in your social media, you, I, like you said, you're you're not spoken person, you're not you don't seem to be somebody who feels like you got to keep your opinions bottled up or whatever, and so sure. there have definitely been times where like you'll like mention how you haven't always felt home. Um, in the Connecticut music sphere. Um, yeah. Uh, so I would love to kind of hear a little bit more about that. And if there was like something that could be changed now that you have like this outside perspective, you know, being in another city involved in that music scene, mm-hmm. like what would you like to see different? Hmm. I mean, my overall experience with the DIY scene in general is not the most positive been doing this alone for so many years Spent like half my life just to get me here Maybe I'm too fat and up too queer Sorry, I don't really fit in with your DIY scene It's not my Because there's a lot of like performativeness in it and I think really the only thing that would fix it is just time where like eventually like that performativeness those people kind of age out and the younger people who actually believe in that shit mm-hmm. then they get to be in control and you know the torch passes on years ago where if I wrote a song if I sang a song where I was like yeah this song is about a guy I was in a relationship with. You know, I can clear the room that way. Mm-hmm. Like, people just leave. 
and it's like whoa like what the fuck like i thought this was supposed to be like a safe space and like you know stuff like that so it's like and and it is changing Mm -hmm. i should say just in general like things are changing you see lots of you know just the the crowd in general just the general look and stuff like that is changing but it's just not quite there yet which is fine because it gives us something to you know strive towards that's probably the the biggest change is just it being more open and accepting of others and having um, lineups that aren't just fucking rock bands. Like it's something where it's like, I listen to rock music, I listen to old music, I listen to a lot of hip hop, I listen to a lot of R&B. I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and like, I know that musicians themselves are not alone. Like, I don't think that there's many people where they only listen to the music that they make. Yeah. You know, like music that's similar to the music that they make. Um, where personally, I don't really listen to much music that's similar to what I make at all. Just because I make music like that. You know, so it's like, I don't really, like there's some stuff, sometimes I like, you know, it's more like in a live scenario where I'll find people where I'm like, oh, this is cool. And like, it's kind of similar to something that I would do or whatever. Um, and there is a little bit of that, like, uh, uh, not jealousy, envy. I don't know. Just something where I'm like, ah, damn it. They beat me to it. <laughs> and now, and, it, and it's like motivating type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like a bad, it's not a negative thing at all. Um, but yeah, like that, just, just where it's like, I don't know to say like diversity isn't quite the right term, but like, just, I like the idea of things being a little more well-rounded in any scene. And I mean, like as time goes on and as music genres kind of matter less and less because we all listen to music and we're all influenced by all these different types and different people and different people are involved. And, you know, I, I like the idea of that. It's on the horizon. I see it coming towards us. So, you know, I just yeah. really got to give it time. But so to yeah. to address two of those things, one, uh, when you mentioned kind of the performative aspect of being in the scene, as somebody who pretends to be a dog, I resent that statement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I do I, I can see what you mean, and I do feel like it is getting better. Um, I, I think that when we talk about, like, quote-unquote, guitar-based music anyways, like, it's been gatekeeped, gatekeeped to death. Gatekept. Like, yeah, gatekept, yes. yeah, like... It, it was so much a boys club of like white folks from the suburbs that mm-hmm. like you could only get into it if you were a white boy from the suburb such that yeah. like and a very specific type of white boy right right like you couldn't be let's say I don't know I mean like as I said I grew up overweight mm-hmm. guess what I didn't like skaters guess who made music you know people in that circle right, so it was something right. where I, I was always a little bit of an outcast because i mean when i was in high school fucking like emo and shit like that was really big and you could only do that really if you were a certain body type mm-hmm. which like you know it sounds so silly to say but it's just the truth of the matter it's just like it would be non-stop harassment right. you know people bullying and whatever and it's just like you know i was too fat to be emo so i was allowed to be goth you know it's like <laughs> one of those things where it's like oh okay whatever dude mm-hmm. um and like I, I i'm glad that it's changing i'm glad that there's more you know it's just something where it's like even though like i know there's plenty of people 
they get all they get their panties all up in a bunch where they're just like yeah well you're just a fucking white guy on stage and i'm like yes that's true they're like you know 100 percent. there's room for other people right like you know it's like most of the people i've ever worked with have always been i mean myself but then also it's like i'm in a band with violet i'm in a band like you know i made music with uh in control v with mm-hmm. um vxo you know once again it's like music brings people together so why is the audience pretty cookie cutter mm-hmm. and the performative part of it where it's like i'm like why why does everyone dress like my dad <laughs> like but not in the way where it's like everyone's dad kind of dresses like this where it's like i come from a blue collar family and where it's a blue collar chic as i call it mm-hmm. everyone's in their car hearts and they're you know it's very utilitarian and like and there's a part of me where i'm like why are you trying to dress poor and you could always tell well, with some why. of these people you know i mean why. i know why yeah. because they feel guilty or whatever right. it is or they or they or they want to be cool they want to fit in so they got you know their carhartt pants that were at american apparel or wherever mm-hmm. wherever like the special carhartt pants are that are cut a little differently than my <laughs> pants you know or it's like they're a little oh you got like the vans but like the like special edition you know like it's just the type of thing where it's like i remember i was wearing like a beanie and somebody was like where'd you get that and i was like bob's or like you know i was like i got it at like a gas station mm-hmm. and they're like oh that's really cool and i was like you that know, may have it's been just me. like that may have been me that asked that I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Did you have red hair? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm like, I remember the kid. <laughs> no, you're a you're a you're a dog. Uh. <laughs> um, but to, to to your point about kind of having mixed bills, I'm glad that you said that because um, at the Crunch House show, there, there was too many too many acts on the bill. But one of the acts was uh, was <laughs> Kef the Chef, and yeah, and his, and his set was a little bit long. But I I, I love Kef. Uh, but that's cool. That, but I feel like the crowd was really into it. And what I liked about it was that there were some people there that were just there to see uh, Kef the Chef, and there were some people there that were there to see Power Violets and uh, and Mesmer, mm-hmm. and sure. both groups really liked it. And whenever Power Violets and Mesmer came up, that group that came to see Kef stayed around and dug that yeah. too. And so it was like, yeah. I think there's so much about like independently made music that's in common. There's more in common with independently made music, whether it's hip hop or rock and roll or whatever than yes. if we look at like pro- like super produced mainstream stuff there's less yeah. in common yeah for me musically i mean other than the the music that my parents had cuz the first music i went to when it came to picking music was uh, i listened to hip hop cuz hip hop was everywhere and you right. couldn't avoid it i'm from a, i'm from a city and i didn't get along with the skater boys cuz i was too fat right. um <laughs> you know and like it was something where, like, there was a very easy transition for me listening to, I don't know, fucking, like, that first Wu-Tang album mm-hmm. or ODB record and then going to punk rock. But, like, old punk rock. You know, it was something where, like, I was like, oh, this is, like, kind of the same thing. Like, it's yeah. different, obviously. It's, like, you know, it's totally different genres. But it's where you're listening to something that is that like raw and like coming from the same type of like, you know, you're not top dog, mm-hmm. pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, 
type of thing that you know it's just different and there's like a lot of stuff where it's like in pop music where they really don't want to be pop at the same time which Mm -hmm. like i get but like you know i think that like with mixed bills and stuff like that it's like once again all this music is connected everything is connected if you just look back far enough you know especially with guitar based music yeah where it's like people didn't really play guitars until like 50 years ago like it was like they were around but not really Mm -hmm. so you have to go back to find that stuff and you know it's like how much music is just a version of jazz right you know or rhythm and blues like some people would hate to hear that the the jazz aspect at least (laughs) i love jazz sure i played i played in jazz band uh in middle school and i hated it until (laughs) i learned to like it yeah you know and it wasn't like a force thing it wasn't like fucking like whiplash the movie where they like you know (laughs) threw a chair at me or whatever not my tempo um yeah, something that's crazy, by the way, just needs to be said, like, about that movie, where it's just like, dude doesn't even know how to count. He goes five, <laughs> six, seven, eight. That's how you count if you're a dancer. That's not how you count. But whatever. Regardless, um, you know, it's something where it's like, yeah, a lot of music comes from, I mean, it comes from black people, you know? And it's like, jazz right. is one of the American art forms, you know? And that's what we got you know so it's like to deny it i don't know i feel like it's like you're cutting off a wealth of information and material and stuff that uh is beneficial just to knowing where you are and knowing like you know just what music is and where it stems from and you know which to me is interesting but i know other people they don't give a fuck so (laughs) You know, they're like, dude, I don't care. I don't listen to jazz. Like, it's not fucking rock or, like, right. whatever. <laughs> like, but, you know, it's... Everything comes from something. No one, as... Even though people would hate to hear this, no one's really that original. I mean, we are, but we're not. Like, you know, it's like there's... It all comes from something. And looking backwards with music is a way of finding that type of thing. Lately, you've been spending a lot of time playing in Power Violets, and so the last time I saw you in physically in the flesh, you were shredding guitar on Circle Square at the very end of that song. Um, oh, yeah. So, so what's it like uh, kind of being away from the microphone and kind of shredding? That is a great question. I love it, to be honest, and I never thought that I would um, because I... You know, after taking the entire stage for myself, mm-hmm. um, it was something where it's like, Violet asked at the perfect time. I actually don't even know if she asked. I think she just put it online. She was like, I need a lead guitarist to be in my band. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Because I had known Violet for years. I knew that I liked her music. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, yeah, let's just do it. And it's something that like, and I don't consider myself a lead guitarist just in general like it's not I'm definitely more of a rhythm guitarist at the end of the day like you know even in my music there's very few solos and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but yeah it's been great it's made me like rethink how I play guitar in a lot of ways 
Violet's songs are really fun to play. So they just sort of make me play differently in general. Mm-hmm. She's got more of a garagey type of like sound than than your your normal like bodega record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there's stuff where she, she makes music that like I wish existed when I was like 20. Not to say that I've outgrown it. No, I know what you mean. But in the way where I'm like when I was listening to music that was a lot more similar to it. Yeah. I was like, man, this is fucking awesome. I wish it was more like what Power Violet says. Yeah. And um the way that she plays guitar definitely influences the way that I play guitar within the band because mm-hmm. she writes the parts more or less um, on most of the songs. Some of the stuff I kind of, you know, I run stuff by her, which like she almost always just like immediately approves. Like <laughs> I don't think she's yet to be like, that's, that ain't it. She like, doesn't seem know. very precious about, about her, about her music. She definitely like, there's lots of freedom yeah. for me to do something like you know i mean like a perfect example is like the solo at the end of circle square where i was like this song fucking rocks like should i like you know where it's like there should be a solo here and i'm like okay i'm gonna try and do something Mm -hmm. you know kind of feedbacky and stuff like that i actually learned because i don't when i record at home i don't have an amplifier i just plug straight in to the my to my Mm -hmm. board um and I, I bought a pedal because of the recording for Circle Square. We gotcha. did that demo. Yeah. Because I need feedback. Like, I need the actual, right. like, like, ringing feedback. It's a big part of, like, how I have to play in that band. So, like, I need the amp and I need the sheer volume. So I got this weird, like, little feedback pedal so that I could do that when I'm at home. And I use it live as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, she's great to like play with though in general. She was it's at, fun. I when I was first starting the CT versus stuff, um, you had already moved out of the state, and so like I was still you know I was trying to like follow you know like every Connecticut musician yeah. that I could. Um, I found my way to the Power Violets page and like talked a little bit with her, and she was like, "Oh, you definitely need to be following Bodega because Bodega is way more Connecticut than I am, and their music is awesome." <laughs> um, and so that I guess was, that's true because I don't think she was born in Connecticut. That's right. We we hashed it out. Yeah, we hashed it out on yeah on <laughs> Connecticut. She is. Yeah, I know she moved around a lot, like as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I got her to uh, guarantee or to say, you know, on the podcast that she is a Connecticut band, I heard Danny in the background saying, "You're not a Connecticut band." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny when we say, like, we introduced ourselves at that show saying, like, we're from New York. Mm-hmm. And, like, my old roommate was like, you're not from New York. <laughs> I actually, And I was like, yeah, but, like, I came from New York. But, like, <laughs> you're right. Like, I'm, I'm not from New York. I'm going to cut this piece out of, the, out of the recording. But that is one of the first thing that I confronted her about in the interview was, like, how dare you say that you're from, <laughs> you're from New York whenever you and Bo are from Connecticut. Um, yeah, but that's the thing where the rest of the band is not. It's true. It's true. But, but Greg she says, is from New York, and so's Danny. Right. But she says that she did not say that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you did. Um, it might have been Greg. Actually, she said it was Greg. Yeah, she said it was Greg. Yeah, see, when all else fails, just blame Greg. (laughs) The the bass player has to bear the brunt at all times. No, I I do think that that's. I think you're both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, like, yeah, because I, I don't I don't really say much in general on stage because I don't have a mic. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have a mic, I'm not really, you know, talking. I'm just kind of there. Yeah, I, I think, you awkwardly. know, when, when, I, when I heard that line in the crowd, I was just steamed. I was fuming and I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't know who said it. You know, it was just... that's us trying to find out who the fuck you are. That's what that was. And yeah, like I'm, I'm very excited with, uh, with what you're bringing to that band, um, because uh, like adding in some of those like lead parts and uh, th- to me, like my favorite songs that y'all played that night were, Circle Square and Shaft Two A. Like those, those are my favorite songs, mm. and I think those are the newer yeah. ones, right? Yeah, those are newer songs. There's another, or no, I guess we didn't play that one. Yeah, no, those are the those are the newer songs for sure, okay. and those are the ones that like. Um, like I know a couple of them. Oh, I guess we did because we played, we played a show. I've only played with power violets like once, uh, before the album dropped Okay. because it dropped in 2020. Yeah. Gigs were mostly done. Um, so I know that like, and I didn't play on the album. Um, but I know that there's like some parts where she's like, I kind of tried to do what you did. On like um, a couple of the songs that I can't fucking think of the name of because I'm so bad with remembering names of the songs. <laughs> like of the but older like, songs. Yeah, of the older songs so, where like it's like Smegma. there is a little bit of my not Smeg. Well, you know what's funny about Smegma is that I I played drums on the original demo for oh, Smegma. Oh wow! Uh, which is so crazy because I did it in like 2016 or something yeah, like that. Right, it was right. like one of the first like. Uh, times that I was like, yeah, fuck it. I will do this. Like, you know, like <laughs> where I, I will play with somebody else or I didn't even play with her. It was me like in this like little, uh, whatever rehearsal space, art space type of thing. And I just like recorded the drums. and was like, Hey, I hope this is okay. It obviously yeah. did not make it onto the album and it's not like what the album cut and how Danny plays. Cause Danny's a much, uh, better drummer than me or different. We just play very differently. My goal in that band is that I don't want to play what she's playing. Not because I think it's bad, but because that's not how you actually fill out a song. Mm-hmm. That's not how you fill out a sound. Right. Something I learned from recording over the years um, where it's like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I play, like, even on Circle Square, like, she plays the chord in one part of the neck. I play a chord at the completely other part of the neck. But it mm-hmm. is the same chord, even though it's just voiced differently and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I try to do a lot of that in the band to fill out the sound more because that's what I think the goal of a lead guitar should be. Right. It's fun how I got into that band, though. Like, I guess, like, Danny and Violet were, like, do you want to be in the band? Like she like asked me like really like, like it was top she was secret. like you know we were we were thinking like maybe you want to be in it and I was like yeah like you know it was like really like I don't know if she was expecting me to say no or if that's just you know but yeah like I I love being in Power Violets it's so the only band to play in it's been really fun it's been really fun being a part of that band. I feel like that's such a great way to end the episode because you came full circle with what you were talking about earlier. Well, thank you. <laughs> so before I let you go, do you have time for a quick quiz? Sure. The quiz that I have for you, uh, this is the first time I've given this quiz, uh, which is okay. how Connecticut are you? And I chose you oh to, uh, to do this because you're not currently living in Connecticut. And so I want to see yeah. how Connecticut you are. So let's see how many of these you get correct. 
This is really, okay. really hard. Are you ready, Bo? I'm as ready as I could be. Okay. Which of the following does not need to be on your CT foodie bucket list? Is it peach pie, hot buttered lobster roll, white clam pizza, or an apple cider donut? What doesn't need to be on my bucket list? Right. So it means I have had it. Uh, I think what they're asking is, which of these is not a Connecticut food staple? Oh, one more time? Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so I, okay, apple cider donuts and the, and the Pepe's pizza, sure. Mm-hmm. And then the um, hot buttered lobster roll or the peach pie. I mean, a peach pie. That's not very Connecticut. That's right. And that is correct. All right, so you got one point on the board. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. During which years were the Hartford Whalers Connecticut's NHL team? Um, is it? Oh, I would not get this correct. So I don't know how in-depth you are with the Whalers. I know they are a, a state treasure. Uh, but was it from 1970 <laughs> to 1990? Was it 1985 to 1997? Or was it 1982 to 2000? Or was it oh. D, 1979 to 1997? Oh. Okay, so I think they ended in the 90s. Okay. Or maybe 2000. I was not, I'm not a hockey fan. I know that, like, a friend of my cousin's got, like, married to, like, the Whalers music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever, like, they used to come out yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and because they love the Whalers because there was always empty seats. <laughs> like... Where it's like to say that they're like the treasure of Connecticut, I'm like, wow. <laughs> it was one of those I mean, that I guess. Everybody still complains about it, even though I know that nobody was into it at the time. You know, like, I'm like, people did not like right. the Whalers. They were like, yeah, Rangers or like right. whatever. I mean, I guess depending on where you're. Okay. There was one that was like 70 to 97. Is that final answer? Something like that. I think so. That is. I, I'm going to. That's correct. Yeah, I'm going to That's go. correct. Okay, yes. Yeah. All right, the, cool. Yeah. The correct answer was 1979 to 1997. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, this one's got to be the easiest, I feel like. Uh, which of the, especially because you lived in New Haven, which of the following is not a classic New Haven pizza spot? Is it Modern, Sally's, Pepe's, or Cole House? I mean, it's the last one. Yeah. What is Cole House? I have no idea. Yeah. All right, so you are three for three. Um, cool. The, oh, God. Uh, the fictional town of Stars Hollow in the show Gilmore Girls was based on this real Connecticut town. Was it? Isn't it New Haven? I'm sorry. Oh, it's, it's not New Haven. No. Oh, it's not? No, okay, no. Okay. Here are the options. Is it Washington Depot, New Milford, Litchfield, or Kent? Oh, man, I have no idea. I thought that they went to Yale at some point. In that. They did. So that's why they, I thought New Haven. Yeah, they oh, did. okay, okay. But but she but to be fair, this was um, hmm. uh, she actually had, like had to commute and like lived in New Haven, so she had to move out. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I'm gonna say Kent. I'm I don't know sorry. why. I'm so sorry. That's incorrect. The correct answer is Washington Depot. Wow, I don't even know where that is. That's where I feel. <laughs> I so don't either. Not. <laughs> Connecticut. I have no idea where that is. Also, like Litchfield, I'm like, that's no man's land. Sorry, sure. I'm from Norwalk. <laughs> right. All right. Next, okay. next question. New Englanders are sometimes called, quote unquote, pumpkin heads. Why is this? So is it because of A, Connecticut blue laws state that men should cut their hair around a pumpkin shell? Is it B, the jack-o'-lantern was invented in Connecticut? Is it C, pumpkin pie was invented in Connecticut? 
or was it D, Connecticut is the top pumpkin exporter? Whoa, I don't think it's that last one. Nor do I think it's the one with blue laws. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to say the jack-o'-lantern, but I don't know why. I'm so sorry. We're now three for five. The correct answer oh. is Connecticut blue laws state that men should cut their oh hair my around God. the pumpkin shell. Uh, the Blue Laws refer to the 1650 Connecticut General Court and the 1655 Code of Laws of the Colony of New Haven. Uh, they were set a uh, very strict, often strange rules of the state. I just told you that off my memory. I didn't totally That's that. amazing. <laughs> okay, cool. I did not know that. No, that's. I've yeah. also never heard anyone ever call a New Englander a pumpkinhead. Me neither, but, but I, as some, I'm kind of tired of nutmeggers because, like, who likes nutmeg? You know, like, it's just, I don't know. Pumpkinheads, yeah, I feel no, like. I a pumpkin <laughs> head. It's kind of rocks. Okay. Uh, next question. The most followed person on TikTok is from Norwalk. And this was actually, uh, this was. Oh, yeah. This was published in 2020. So, you know, so it could be, could be different now. The most followed person in TikTok is from Norwalk. Uh, what is her name? Is it A, Charlie XEX, B, Charlie no. D'Amelio, C, Spencer X, or D, Holly H? I think it's the Italian one, uh, D'Amelio. That is correct, Charlie D'Amelio. Yeah. Very nice. That sounds like a Norwalk name, yep. too. She, yep, she was a dancer. Uh, or yep. is a dancer, I should say. All right, so you are now uh, four out of six. Not bad, not bad. Uh, okay, okay. Next question. ABC's American Housewife pokes fun at Connecticut's quote-unquote Gold Coast. Which town is this show set in? Is it set in Greenwich, Westport, Darien, or Stamford? Is it set in Westport? Final answer? Gold Coast. All of those towns I hate, <laughs> by the way. It just needs to be said. Like, coming from Norwalk, all of those towns call Norwalk Poorwalk. Oh, I didn't. I've um, never heard that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Norwalk being called, like, the Wack or the Wack, mm -hmm. depending on who you ask, um, is pretty normal. But, like, Poorwalk is what they call. That's us. very shitty. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say Westport. That is correct. Yes. Yes. So you are five and seven. Um, awesome. Next question. Which of the following is not the name of a Connecticut brewery? Oh, shit. Okay. Is it Two Roads Brewing, Yankee Doodle Brewing, New England Brewing, or Black Hog Brewing? I know Two Roads exists. I know mm -hmm. New England exists. I'm pretty sure. I think that's like, that's like right by the Sam Ash. Um, Maybe Black Hog? Final answer? But that sounds like a fucking beer. And Yankee Doodle does not sound like a beer. <laughs> I'm going to pick that one. Yankee Doodle. That is correct. Congratulations. All right. Yeah, we're a six out of nine. We're doing great. Well, that's a bad name for a beer. Yan yeah, Yankee Doodle. Or someone Doodle. be like, I just opened a brewery called Yankee Doodle, and <laughs> we make very good beer. So I don't know what this question is. I'm okay. But maybe you do. Uh, what's the name of the band that plays at Stu Leonard's? Oh my God! What is it like a fill in the blank? No, there's still multiple <laughs> questions, it, right? Yeah. Oh, is multiple it, answers. Is it Nice and Fresh, The Stu's Crew, Dairy Dudes, or The Farm Fresh Five? I think it's Dairy Dudes because like they're like milk cartons. <laughs> Final answer. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's actually The Farm Fresh Five. Fuck me. Yeah, so we're six I out of ten. Think, so I think there, there's more than five of them up there. That's nonsense. <laughs> Dairy Dudes is a much better name. 
This right, next question I have is a great one. I love this question because I love movies. Uh, which of the following movies was not filmed in Connecticut? Oh, okay. Is it Stepford Wives, All About Eve, Beetlejuice, or Mr. Deeds? This is a tricky one. Ooh. I know Stepford Wives was done in Lockwood Matthews Mansion. Okay. I think that's where it was made, um, which is in my beautiful hometown. Oh, man. Mr. Deeds? That's so close. I mean, like, there is stuff filmed uh, in Connecticut for Mr. Deeds. The outdoor stuff in the small town is actually in Connecticut. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. The correct answer... Um, oh, oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah, go. I was going to say, the correct answer is Beetlejuice. The reason why this one is tough is because it takes place in Connecticut, uh, but it wasn't actually filmed there. It was actually filmed in Vermont. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, that's a movie that I... I recently saw it, too, and I'm just like, huh, I wonder where they... I guess, like, where the house is, like, that's, like, the Connecticut part? Yeah. Or the not Connecticut part, sorry, the Vermont part. Right. It takes hmm. place, the, the city that it's set in is fictional. It doesn't actually exist, but it's supposed to be in Connecticut, but I guess they did it in Vermont for some reason. Interesting. All right, we've hmm. got two more questions. Uh, which Connecticut restaurant claims to have invented the hamburger? Oh, God. Is it okay. Shake Shack? <laughs> yeah, because you know it's that steamed bullshit. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's shit where they, they scoff at you if you want ketchup on your hamburger. Yeah. It's like, go fuck yourself, dude. Is it um, A, yeah. Shake Shack, B, Sycamore Bethel, uh, C, Lewis's Lunch in New Haven, or is it D, Firebox Restaurant in Hartford? It's the New Haven one. It is, yeah. C, yeah. Lewis's Lunch. I've never had it, I should say. Maybe I'm not a very uh, uh, they will They will scoff at you if you ask for ketchup. Any, it's like, dude, I'm like, you literally don't know how to make a burger. I will say this is, I mean, like, this is like, these are fighting words. And I lived literally across the street from Sally's Pizza, a pizza. But I do not. <laughs> ah, beats. I don't like New Haven pizza. All right. Well, it was great talking with you. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> As an Italian American, I don't like it. So you, you don't you don't it. like you don't like your pizza to taste like coal and marinara. I, you know what it is? It's too. They cut it all fucked up. Okay. I'm like, you cut my pizza fucked up. Where it's just like, I want a slice. Pepe is definitely. That's where it's, yeah. Pepe's is brutal about the way they cut it. It's it's like it's they, they could crazy. not give less of a fuck. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's my, you know, as if I couldn't piss off enough people. <laughs> Final Yeah, question. when I moved to New Haven, everyone was like, the New Haven pizza. Right. And I was like, dude, I never even heard of your fucking pizza. And people would be so mad at me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Because being from Norwalk, it's like, it's 45 minutes to New Haven. Mm -hmm. Or it's like 45 minutes to New York. Right. And truth be told, I did go to New York a hell of a lot more. Um, until I moved to New Haven. Gotcha. So I was like, what? New Haven style pizza? And then like, I had it and I was like, this is what people line up outside of a restaurant for? Like, you can't even find a slice anywhere. You know, so, you have to buy a fucking $30 pizza. Right. So I'm I, sorry. I, yep. No, I'm, I'm glad. I want, I want to let you have a platform to be heard and to be seen. <laughs> um, I don't share those uh, sentiments exactly. I can understand why somebody wouldn't like it. Uh, but I, I, I do like it. And I am, I'm, I'm not going to say which of the big three uh, that I like because uh, one of my friends works at a place and I would be biased. And I don't want to, I don't want to blow their spot. 
Well, I will say out of the big three modern uh, Pepe's or Sally's, mm -hmm. I liked Sally's the most. Okay. I think that they had the best sauce, okay. in my opinion. However, more often than not, I went to Abate or I went to uh, Delania's, I think okay. is what it's called. I don't know if that even exists anymore. I'm not but, sure. Yeah. Or Bar. Bar has pretty good pizza, too. Says you. Uh, says me <laughs> right says me and that's also like when i drank a lot more and i used to uh yeah that, so. that definitely will help uh get the bars down. yeah uh, well their pizza is like different like when you buy it, it there there and then when you buy it like as like a pickup type of thing mm -hmm. they're like two totally different pizzas people, like the slices that they give you when you're there are not what they sell yeah people always tell me that bar is new haven style i don't know if i agree with that I mean, I think it is only in, like, the sheer size of it. Okay. Because, like, yes. I do think that pizzas are, like, bigger in New Haven. Like, you know, it's, yes. like, a, a large, it's, like, huge, it's, like, 20 inches or something <laughs> like that. So. Right. Yeah. Final question for you. This one, we're going to go out on a little bit of a dark note, uh, a little okay. uh, sad times. Which of the following is not true about the Danbury uh, Correctional Facility, uh, Correctional Institutions, oh about God. the prisonal, uh, the prison, the prisonal? The, the prison in Danbury. Is it A, Orange is the New Black is based on the author's time here? Is it B, Orange is the New Black was filmed there? Is it C, Lauren Hill, the singer from the, the Fugees, did time there? Or is it D, Real Housewife Therese uh, Deducey? I don't know if that's how you pronounce the last name. Did time hey. there. I do know that there's a women's prison in Connecticut, my dad would always point it out. He's like, that's where the ladies go to jail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that is the basis for Orange is the New Black, but maybe it is. Fuck. Yeah, so the two options then would be, was it based on the author going to prison there, or was it not filmed there? It was not filmed there? Um, I don't think it was filmed there. Okay, is that your final answer? Yeah. That is correct? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, cool. But it was, okay, so that means that the other things are true. Yeah, so Lauren Hill uh, was, was once there. Damn. That's wild. That is so wild to imagine. Well, is she from New York? I guess, I, I, no? I don't know. I don't know, actually. Hmm. I remember like, she got in trouble for she... taxes, but I don't, remember, I don't know the details. Just, you know. Yeah, no, I don't know the details either. Fascinating. Yeah, I not mean, it's, it's not bullshit, the most uplifting but, question, yeah. <laughs> but it is it is interesting for sure. Yeah, it's so, not something I think about literally ever. <laughs> but you won the game. You won the game. Uh, you were very Connecticut, according to this. Uh, Fuck this yeah, I'm very Connecticut. See, yeah. people people say you moved to New York, you sold out. You know, people in my inboxes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, They're like, do you, if, you think you're all shit? Bode they don't even have bodegas in Norwalk. I'm like, one, that's not true. Um. <laughs> yeah, if somebody says that you're not from, that you're not Connecticut any longer, you can say, fuck you, I'm a pumpkin head. What are you? Yeah, I'm a pumpkin head. Do you even know what pumpkin head means? And they're like, I just get like punched in the face. <laughs> all right, bodega, thank that's you awesome. so much uh, for talking with us today. Thank you so much to Bodega for taking time out of his day to talk with me. You can find his music in most of the usual places that you get your music, including Bandcamp, which is where we recommend stopping first. You can find the albums that we discussed in this episode, including Sleeping Alone, Oof, Holy Cannoli, and Day Olds. You can find those 
on Bandcamp and also Spotify. Uh, we Be sure to follow Bo on social media to stay up to date with their music, their live shows, and their performances with Power Violets. You can find some of those links in the show notes of this episode. And if you need anything from me, I'm going to be getting my haircut with a pumpkin in accordance with Connecticut law. We're going to be playing this episode out with the closing track off Holy Cannoli, which is a song that is also called Holy Cannoli. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. someone at when i was like going back in to get my gear someone was leaving but that doesn't sound like it'd be you because that was a because there was another band that played i don't think you would leave in the middle of a set oh no now having known you yeah um could it could be the case that there's more than one of us and that would be uh, oh my god that's the dream by the way (laughs)